are movies sexist? In what ways do movies give bad messages and engage in harmful tropes about women? And in what ways do they not? We discuss this and more with special guest Alyssa Plock on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for those who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, culture savant, and with me as always is my maniacally monogamous co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and, oh boy. He's giving himself time, <laughs> slowly giving himself time for his last one. And, and, and good feminist. Uh, good uh, Friends to women. Friends, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say lover of women all. <laughs> but that comes up with different conversations. Yes, yeah, true. <laughs> That's very true. So yes. Well, and with us today is a very special guest. She is a writer, film critic, and host of the show Alyssa's Movie Takes on YouTube. She's a regular contributor to the Wallflower Journal online magazine, is communications manager of Redeemer Counseling Center, and holds a bachelor's in politics, philosophy, and economics from my alma mater, the King's College. She is the amazing, the auspicious, the audacious, Alyssa Plot. Alyssa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. That was a lot of A's. Very, very well done. Very well done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. A's are yes, I, I, I started in PPE and ended up, you know, film critic and uh, communications manager. So somehow hey, that happened. As Liz Lemon says, you can do and have it all. I'm going to be doing a lot of yeah. uh, female protagonist quotes. <laughs> and Liz Lemon is pretty well much. Well done, Nathan. <laughs> yes. And uh, shout out to the Wallflower Journal for, uh, for the friend of the show, Keely Clarkson. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Keely Clarkson. We've had her on the show. She's a good friend of the show. Yeah. And good, a good spouse of the yeah, co-host. To someone, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, he might have met her more than twice. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, well, so now today we are going to be asking if and how movies are sexist. So I'm sure people are going to have no strong opinions on this. Um, but first, if people enjoy our show, Nathan, where can they go to find more of our content and engage with more fellow other think over, fellow overthinkers? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and send us all of their love and hate mail and any ideas for upcoming episodes or any thoughts on, on the past episodes. You can also go to our online Overthinkers group on Facebook where we have memes and articles and discussions going on. We want you to be a part of it. So go to Facebook and type in the Overthinkers and join. We'd love to have you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please, please, please do leave a review and share with a friend. It really does help us so very much. Awesome. Ready, everyone? Let's do it. Cool. So representation or lack thereof for women in film, both in front of and behind the camera, has been an oft-discussed issue in the industry in recent years. A widely reported 2016 study from Polygraph showed that despite being a wider percentage of the world population than men, women get far less dialogue than men in movies, even where women are the lead, and that they get even less dialogue as they get older. Beyond the lack of representation in movies, people have criticized movies for how they portray women accusing movies of largely of treating women as objects, sexual and otherwise, to be desired and acted on rather than subjects who desire and act creatively in their own stories, such as the damsel in distress trope. The rise of the internet with websites like Movie Tropes or YouTube channels like The Take have given people even more opportunities to name and share some of the problematic and stereotypical ways that women have been portrayed on screen, creating a new vernacular on the process to describe them from manic pixie dream, manic pixie dream girl to fridging to smurfette syndrome. 
Some push back that not all these tropes, such as the damsel in distress one, are sexist, but simply reflect the reality of both men's and women's experiences, and that men have their own share of negative stereotypes perpetuated in movies too, such as the dumb father or toxic man who has to have his conscience awakened by the morally superior woman. Additionally, many are finding that putting more women behind the camera is not always improving women's representation, with many female directors opting to still make male-dominated movies, such as Power of the Dog, and many of the movies engaging in some of the same tropes as their male counterparts, or in some cases creating their own. Alyssa, when you watch movies, in what ways do you see the things you see as sexist? And in what ways do you see them as not sexist? And how do you see the sexism there primarily manifesting? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think there's two ways that you can kind of look at um, movies with with sexism in mind. You can either sort of look at it with with glasses on that say everything is sexist. And, you know, you can have you can have that perspective that says everything is sexist. So if you look at any movie, you're going to take away, oh, oh, that's sexist. Oh, that's sexist. Oh, that's sexist. And I don't really have that mindset. Um, I've just more noticed some patterns um, within within watching movies and, and more so from the audience perspective, less from behind the camera of the writers or the directors. But I, when I go to the movies, I go to be entertained and so I'm not always thinking, oh, I, I bet that this, this storyline is, is not great for women. This storyline isn't great for women. This storyline isn't great for women. But as I've started to do more film criticism, I have noticed some troubling trends. And sometimes it's not even coming from male directors. Sometimes it's coming from like female writer directors. And I think that they're, they have more of the perspective that um, I'll say this generally, that men are out to get them and they can't survive in a man's world. And that comes through in the stories that they tell on screen. Uh, so, and I also think that's one of the things that I dislike as a, as a woman is when they're, they throw us a bone and they're like, oh, well, you can have the sort of the leftover remake of Ocean's Eleven or the leftover remake of, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, don't so, like that. I, I find that to be actually more grating than sometimes just like a bad portrayal of, of an objectified woman because I'd uh, give us a wrong friend. I mean, I know they tried this with the Jessica Chastain spy movie. They're just like, let's just make a spy movie about women, which at least it was original, but I don't think it did very well. But I, I'm not in the category that I like those movies that are just like, well, if let's do feminism by just giving you a franchise that's basically on its way out anyway. So mm. Those are my those are my two thoughts of you, you can go to the movies and see it all as sexist and, and see is like, well, they're objectifying women and they're objectifying women, but then it's not, then you lose the fun of it. Um, but I do think that there are, there are times where you can see it show up in this patterns. Is, this is great. I love this because, uh, you know, we're two guys who can, you know, <laughs> rail all day be like, movies aren't sexist. They're great. But it's interesting hearing, um, Joseph first, you talking about, uh, the statistics about women getting less lines, especially as they get older. And um, hearing your experience, Alyssa, uh, as a woman who's watching movies and who wants to see their stories portrayed, who wants to have things connected to, um, but it sounds like you're not, you're not doing this in a reactionary way, you're doing this in a proactive way. You want to see good stories told and you're not walking in with an attitude of, I'm gonna dislike uh, this movie, which is interesting. But what I, what I would love to explore a little bit um, is, you have talked often about a lot of the tropes that we see within uh, movies about women or featuring women. Um, you know, one of the one of the a big one that everyone knows is the Bechtel test, which is um, uh, Joseph. What what is the exact? So Bechtel test is you pa- a movie passes the Bechtel test if it uh, two women can be alone together 
talking to each other about a subject other than a man. Are we really fighting over a boy? We are failing the Bechdel test right now. Oh, right, quick, talk about something else. This weather sure is good. Yeah, agreed, okay, test passed. By the way, I found this out um, after I made my first movie <laughs> and I went back and watched it. It definitely doesn't pa pass the Bechdel <laughs> test. The second one, barely passes a Bechdel test and the third one passes with flying colors. Well, but the thing is that, the, is that that sounds like something that should be so easy to do. Yes. Like, and yet almost no movies do it because the only roles for women in there are like the love interest or the mom character whose character is defined by their relationship with a man. Yes. Well, and, and, it's, and it's interesting. What I didn't just start doing because like, oh no, I'm going to get, you know, someone's going to tweet at me or something. I did it because I realized that half of the population is pretty important <laughs> and their journeys, their stories. And if I wasn't at least featuring in some small part, even though I'm a guy and I'm writing from a guy's perspective, usually about uh, men protagonists, if, if I'm not writing some small part, at least the other half of the population, then my movie is going to suffer because my storytelling yeah. is going to suffer because it doesn't have that extra perspective that I think is very valuable. So all I have to say, I'm sorry for everyone, don't tweet at me uh, <laughs> if you see my first movie and it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. But I'd love to hear you, Alyssa, yeah. tell us a little bit about some of these tropes that you have seen um, in movies that that maybe aren't the best for yeah. women. And we can move on to why this happens. But I want to hear some of these because I think this is super interesting. Yeah, yeah. And you, so you talk about seeing patterns. So like, what are some of those patterns? Yeah, so this is one that I noticed that I'll start with because it was one that I noticed. Um, so uh, I've been doing some research on on movies that deal with the topic of, of sexual assault or rape. Mm. Um, and two of them, the, the two that were both directed by women and, or no, written written by women and won the Oscar for it. Um, Thelma and Louise had a male director, but Promising Young Woman uh, has a uh, female director, female writer director. Um, so these are two movies that deal with that topic and Thelma and Louise does it sneakily because they think you, they set you up that you're gonna watch a buddy movie and it turns out to be a very dark movie about mm -hmm. two women trying to beat the system. Um, and the trope that I noticed there, and this is going to be some spoilers, sorry, if you have not seen either of those movies, um, both of those characters, their main protagonists die at the end. And I started to notice that movies that deal with this topic often kill their protagonists, that these are not movies that are written by men, they're movies that are written by women. And it's troubling because it seems like the, the, the message that they're giving is there's no way out of this once this happens to you, the only way out is through death. Um, wow. and so, yeah, so that was one that I started to notice and, uh, I, there's even, even with the certain Marvel movies, I mean, um, I won't spoil too much here, but I think with Wanda's character in Dr. Strange, you see something similar where she doesn't see the way out of what the traumatic things that's happened to her except to kind of take things over into her own hands and it doesn't work out very well for her. And same with Black Widow as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, there is, well, and you, you've mentioned this sort of to me before, Alyssa, like, you know, that even plate where's the things where they don't die, you know, the characters, there's, there, you know, where you have, I mean, certainly, actually, what was it? Um, Last Night in Soho does this also, where right. the, the the protagonist who who is a, you know, rapes of Robert dies at the end. Um, and even again, so like the Marvel movies, women who deal with trauma, it's like, they end up dying like they're they're becoming evil or becoming evil and then you know you have even more the, the other movies where it's like you know black christmas or um you know where 
there's no healing, that mm-hmm. healing isn't possible for these people. And even in the case of Promising Young Woman, healing is portrayed as a bad thing. Yes, Whereas, like, she has an opportunity to heal, and that's seen as sort of like the temptation to go away from her true path. And <sighs> that's, that's a really good point. That's a really harmful thing to perpetuate. Especially for women who've experienced something like this, I would hope that there'd be stories, at least more stories out there that offer healing and offer redemption and hope for someone who has gone through this. So you can watch a character who goes through this and comes out a better person on the other, a stronger person, not someone who's either evil or dead. That sort of perpetuates the kind of thing like, you know, somebody is like, um, what was it, damaged goods, mm. kind of thing like that, which is a horrible, terrible, problematic, problematic, awful. you know, uh, cultural myth. So that's, that's a, and if it's sad that it's not, it's not only being perpetuated by men, but it's being perpetuated by female directors and writers in this as well. Now, there's, just real quick, before we dive into another one, do you think that ever, um, because, you know, knowing markets, knowing how we know movies and stuff, do you think women ever feel the pressure to write against the way they might want to and into something that maybe the studio or the market or, um, you know, the kind of the, there's a, there's been set a, a mold for how we make mm-hmm. movies, how we tell stories. Do you think that women ever feel pressured into writing into this mold or that you might, maybe they won't have their movies um, supported? Or why do you think it is that sometimes um, women are even per, uh, participating in these negative stereotypes? Well, I think my, my theory, and I, I haven't talked to, to the writers, but uh, I think for these types of movies, it it's a difficult thing to to heal from, especially if you've been sort of mistreated by the systems, right? And so I don't, especially with Promising Young Woman, that's pretty much an indie film. I mean, mm. she she had pretty much a lot of creative control and she actually had a darker ending and they told her, go back and make it a little happier. Oh, wow, um, yeah. So I, I think that women are writing from their experience. And they're not being told, oh, you need a happy ending because they're, this is sort of their protest that, oh, to say, yeah. you know, that they're promising a woman, Thelma and Louise, both of those have sort of redemption in the death feeling that that's what that's where they're trying to build the redemption is in the death, um, which to me is a sad fact. But I think that that's how they see the world. It's just that's what mm-hmm. I take it from these from watching these stories that lack of redemption or lack healing that it's especially from women this is how they see the world they don't see a way out of this except maybe um to stick it to the man in death and that's those those two movies especially do that um so this is something about yeah women oftentimes in culture that that is really interesting something to pay attention to that's really interesting yeah no yeah it's i think that's that's an excellent that's an excellent point that you make it's typically hollywood doesn't doesn't uh, want sad endings. Now, another trope that comes to mind, and um, I think I've heard you talk on this before, and we've talked about before, is I I can't remember what it's called, but it's where you use another one where women die, where you use a woman, maybe she was a wife, maybe she was a, you know, we see this a lot, where you use a woman's death as the catalyst for the man, the male character to start his narrative or to give him depth, those kind of things. What What is that? And, and kind of explain that to us. So that that can kind of take two forms. That can take the damsel in distress um, or it can take, or or it's what's called fridging. And fridging is actually comes from, um, I think it's the Green Lantern comic. It, it, it's been perpetuated more in comics, which to me makes sense because if, 
I see sexism in art, it, I tend to see it a little more in, in comics, like the actual comics, just because mm-hmm. it's easy to kind of objectify women sure. in cartoons. Yeah, Too right? Yeah, um, yeah. So, so, so the difference is between like a character, like I think Black Widow would fall into the category of she dies nobly um, and sacrifices herself and, and there's still a character arc there, whereas um, Gamora in uh, Infinity War she's literally fridged so like like they the literally throw her into frozen stuff to do- kill her yeah um, and it's it's and, to serve you know star lord's story thanos's story it's not to serve her story deadpool deadpool's right. wife dies and even like the old detective stories a lot of times he's gruff and mean and solves cases because he lost someone he loved the beginning of every christopher nolan film yes <laughs> <laughs> right um so so for me where i'm okay with it is something like taken where it makes sense that his daughter is on this trip and something horrible happens and that's the catalyst for the story. She doesn't get a ton of characterization in that first one, but I'm okay. I'm slightly okay with it because it taken was the original and I still am I still believe that story because it's probably something that could happen. But uh I think it's a cheap, right? So it becomes a cheap trick. Yeah. Friggin' fridging becomes a cheap trick. Bridging is just a cheap tactic to make weak movies stronger. Quit embarrassing yourselves. And at the expense of women, which is not great. Uh, Joseph, I know that you've you've had some you've looked into fridging too a little bit. Yeah, no, so uh, um, yeah, you see it a lot in comic book movies. You see it in genre movies where it's just like the guy has to go on the adventure yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> and and the death of a wife or the death of a sister or the capturing of, you know, a, of a former love interest is a good way to, is an easy way to do it. Yeah. Well, uh, so, so this is one thing that I, and you can like, correct me if I'm wrong. Is one, one of the things I've sort of, way I've distinguished from sort of damsel distress and fridging, you know, for me, besides the fact of like the person actually gets rescued, you know, in the damsel distress thing is that, you know, the problem with fridging is that it typically is, you know, it's using the female character, purely for the sake of the male character's journey. There's no sense in which the female character is, gets to have their own journey. They get to have their own person, you know, in sort of like, you know, way, way feminists or talk about it. She is only object, not also subject. Like, because we're all both subjects and objects. And so it's like, but to be only an object and not also a subject. So if you said Black Widow, it also served her story to die. You know, so it's Mm -hmm. like, if, you know, it's, it's true that, you know, we live in a world that's dangerous. It's more dangerous for women than it is for men. And so to tell stories that are about men going out and save and protecting women isn't a bad thing. But when you do something, and particularly when you take a female character, this is where it would happen in comics, who had her own story and character was her own character. And that is completely shoved aside to, and, and to, in order to just serve the male story. Like, you know, it's, it's even like, if you start out, like you say, the plot is about a father rescuing his daughter. Like that's one thing. Um, and it's like, oh, okay, you're doing a Christopher Nolan film. The backstory is the, you know, the the wife died. Sure. But if you take a character who's set up to be their own character, their own subject, and they have their own story, and then you say, no, we don't care about that. We're just going to discard that in order for the male character. That seems to me to be one of the most insidious aspects of fridging. I don't know if that well, you know, resonates with you at all. This is a good a transition into another yeah. trope that I, I want to uh, explore a little bit because I think this is one that people talk about a lot, especially when it comes to quote sexism in movies. Is 
Fridging is a form of objectifying yeah. the woman. They're just using her as a prop for the man's story. But the, the one that people, when we talk about objectification within movies that people typically uh, talk about, at least in the circles, you know, magazines, comment sections, mm-hmm. is when women are used as sex objects. Yeah. They're, you, you know, they're scantily clad. They're used as maybe a, um, you know, a trophy that the, the character gets. They have far more, far more nudity. They have far ah, more yes. sex scenes where the, you know, the men are clothed and the women are, you know, out in bikinis or whatever it is. And so this is now this, I think, kind of changed a little bit. And I want to hear your thoughts on this uh, post Me Too movement. It's harder to get away with the male gazy things. But to me, I still have seen just a little more sneaky ways that um, that we continue to objectify women in our movies. It might be, well, you know, it's not that it might be have more context around it, but we're still going to get her to take her clothes off. But we'll make it an empowering uh, scene where she takes her clothes off for an empowering moment rather than, you know, just like she would have in, you know, American Pie, just, you know, have her take her clothes off. But so to me, it still exists. It's just a little more sneaky and, inte- and maybe smarter how they do it. Take off your clothes. So many hidden messages. But how does this play into all this? And how does this make women feel when they see women objectified and use se- sex objects in movies? Yeah. And yeah. Is, there, is there a context in which it bothers you or doesn't bother you? Or does it bother you in all contexts? It, it does bother me. Uh, and I think particularly movies and, you know, I would say broadcast news you're gonna you're gonna see that because you know the mindset behind it is sex sells and so they are gonna put it in the movies um i i i think it's difficult this is one of those things where i can kind of see it more from behind the camera um sort of what you were talking about at first joseph where in the me in the movie industry nathan as you know there are a lot more actors than there are parts and so, especially when it's like, too well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so when you're when you're casting for a women for for a female role, and the director's telling you to do something that you're uncomfortable with, there's a whole lot more people behind you, and so you're probably mm-hmm. going to be willing to do things that you're uncomfortable with, so you don't lose the role. Yeah. And that was especially true in the Weinstein era, and I don't know exactly how it's changed now i would like to hope that it has but if the if the in if the casting couch was the way to get a job or you know even if it's not the casting couch per se but if it's take your clothes off or you know you you are going to push yourself in this sex scene or you know like you don't have any control how i shoot you in this scene um then i i do think that's where you can actually see some of the sexism because women want to act and they know that they're replaceable um so they're, they're, they're pressured to do things that they don't necessarily want to do. And, and I think the movie Notting Hill explores this pretty well. Um, so in the movie Notting Hill, you have Julia Roberts, who plays basically herself in the movie. Um, and how she as an actress, especially as a young actress, had to take more of the pornographic roles if she wanted to get anything serious later on. Um, and and I, I think that that's just a problem that's not going to go away because as long as you have, even if it's like one bad apple and 10 in terms of directors or producers, 
um, women still want to act. And so they're mm -hmm. going to do things to get the roles that um, they know can be given to somebody else in a, in a heartbeat or their careers can be destroyed in a heartbeat because the, the culture makers can, can blacklist them. And I think that you saw that even in the Me Too movement um, on the movie side and the news side. So like a lot of the news anchors who were involved in the Me Too movement on Fox have not worked again. Um, and I think that that's true probably at NBC. Um, and that's, I think that's somewhat true in if Rose McGowan comes to mind, like I, I, she was, she was a B actress at that point when she stood up, but she really has not been able to work yeah. since me, since she sort of stepped up and, and spoke what she did. Um, so I, I, I think it's just a sad reality that actors are replaceable and women are, women are not immune to that. And so what, what they're going to be asked to do is probably going to be beyond their comfort zone and they might do it anyway so that they can have, fulfill their dream. That's, yeah. that's a little less of what's actually in the movies and more just, I think the reasoning behind it, but that's, that's kind of where I was yeah. thinking about it. Well, and I think for better or for worse, definitely for worse, I do think that sex sells. Yeah, I think that is something. And when you live in a society, I'm going to bring a little faith in this, that doesn't see the human being as, you know, a, a God bearing imager of God. Um, you see them as as something that can make money or not. And so yeah. sex does sell, especially female nudity. And so we we saw that ultimately money was the top priority rather than the human. Um, so to me, one of the ways and I'm curious about your thoughts on this to rectify this, because I think it's one thing to just get mad at yeah. uh and try to control the industry and i think that's a that's that's good i'm not saying it's bad but i think it'll be very difficult but i think something mm -hmm. that what i would like to see more of is i would love to see more women filmmakers because they're going to make um stories and movies from a position that isn't trying to objectify women that typically men do that will give more breadth and uh and context to these kind of stories and that will probably um not set up unrealistic views of women. I think a lot of times uh, these movies that have these uh, sexual depictions of women are fantasy fulfillment, if I'm being completely honest, for a lot of the directors and writers. And I think one way to help our culture have a, a better, more healthy view is to actually involve women in telling the stories more. And I do think there's some gatekeeping that has been had, and I'd love to see more women, and, and you see this more and more, um, be involved in the writing, directing, and story shaping process. So it's more of a give and take rather than just a, this is what we do. And then less women are gonna feel uh, pressured into these spaces that men kind of push them into. And it's like, well, if you wanna be an actor, this is how to do it. So I, 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 I don't do. know, yeah. It's yeah, no, I, so, so I have, I'm, I'm a little bit more pessimistic. I, you know, I think okay. that we should have more female directors, writers too, because again, you know, let's tell the stories of half of the population. Like, you know, I say, you know, but I, but I've, I've seen, a number of examples of like, you know, female directors doing the same thing to their female actresses. Like there was a whole scandal a, a little while ago with the Smilf TV show where the actress, uh, one of the actresses claimed that she was being forced to, you know, take her top off and um, being, um, and, and she requested that nobody, like only the bare minimum of crew be around for her nude scene. And the female director like had a bunch of people more there. So like there's, Things I, I keep hearing stories about this, of like some of the same stuff happening, even when it's like female directors do it. I probably will happen less, but I do think you're right. Like that, there need to be more options 
for, you know, it's like forever, whoever it is, you know, there need to be a lot more people who are not going to, um, you know, ask you to take your clothes off so that if you're in a situation of, you know, they're an actress who doesn't want to do that, there's somebody is like, okay, I, you know, this person won't hire me and somebody else will. That's certainly, I think, that's um, a good a good thing. But also, like, I do like the culture shaping that's happened. Like, you know, intimacy coordinators yes. are a development in Hollywood where it's like you actually have a separate person whose whole job it is to make sure that people feel comfortable. And protected. You can't be fired if in the middle of the scene you say, I don't feel comfortable. And because there's somebody whose job it is to make sure people feel comfortable, they have incentive to actually like raise a stink if there's a stink to be had yeah so i think that there are things like that that are good anyway we've been two men talking about this for a little bit of while what are your thoughts on that Alyssa? uh yeah so so i've noticed an interesting trend with um with with the movie theaters i don't think it's i hope it's not sexist but i find that there's uh there's not a lot that comes out that's actually made for women in the theaters anymore Hmm. um Everything, and I think part of that is due to um, just block the blockbusters that sell are the are the Marvel franchises and the sure. Star Wars franchises. Yeah. Which, while women go to see them, they're not necessarily made for women. Um, but I do see where you do see an uptick in like content for women is on streaming, like the the shows that are um, like Bridgerton or um, uh, Inventing Anna, or there was this one that was called Made, like the mini series. The miniseries that are that tend to that are more made for women tend to do very well on streaming. Yeah. Um, so it's so we still want entertainment. We just may not get it in the movie theaters. Um, so I, I do think that I and I think having come, I, I was sort of cut my teeth in the in the news industry, and it seemed to me like there that women, while they've had, they everybody has stories. If you were talented, you could rise to the top. Um, and it seems to me that that's becoming more true in Hollywood, that there is a little bit more of the the free market feel to it, that mm-hmm. um, that because of streaming, because of there's more, there's less of a monopoly on this is what you can watch and only this. Mm-hmm. You have people like Reese Witherspoon who've started their own production company um, I don't know if she's worked with her, but like a lot of the actresses are now in their um, their latter part of their career, turning into producers. So Reese Witherspoon, I think Nicole Kidman's in that game, Margot Robbie, and they're telling the stories that they want to tell. And um, and a lot of times it is more, it's going to be more respectful to women. It's not across the board. Again, you can have a bad apple, but I do think that the sort of the the streaming free market has opened up more of the opportunities for for women to tell their own stories in Hollywood because then it's sort of just like competing for eyeballs, right? So what succeeds is is not necessarily the highest, isn't what the insiders say, this is going to do it and you have to do it this way. It's it's what people want to watch. And most women don't want to see other women objectify. So they'll probably check out if that happens. Um, They do want to see romance. So the Bechdel test doesn't always happen because sometimes they women want to see you know want to see the love, love story right? what about reverse uh, Bechdel so, yeah. test though <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a whole interesting thing because it tends to be it's funny because even when movies that are directed by women they tend to give like a lot of parts to men 
that it, it weirdly enough it's it's an interesting it's an interesting phenomenon hmm. um probably because yeah i don't i don't really understand that part of it completely um but yeah some of some of my favorite things that i've watched this past year have been have been uh miniseries that are geared toward women on streaming and i, so I like, think this is yeah. something i would that you know we can't hold the whole world you know say you have to do this but I will say I'll exhort people of faith. Hmm. Like if you're someone who believes in God and you believe that we are all creating the image of God, we should be celebrating and trying to include stories that challenge us and that are different from us um, that celebrate other people who create the image of God, women, uh, <laughs> of the population. Um, and you should also, as people of faith, be treating our actors um, well and treating stories, not objectifying them and, 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 um, and telling good stories. So, uh, basically what I'm saying is everyone should just believe in God and then we'd have great <laughs> <laughs> movies and less people would be abused. And that's the end of that chapter. <laughs> that's true. I mean, I mean, having, having, this goes back to our first trope, right? So the, the, the one where they die at the end because they don't have any hope. I, I think, and, and for me, I'm sure that that every actress in Hollywood probably has bad stories, right? Mm -hmm. Probably has stories where they were objectified or they were asked. So, and that's devastating. And yet, if you do have a true, genuine faith in God and you have something else to look to besides my career is everything, mm -hmm. then you can say, I mean, you're, you may still face parts that you don't get, but you're, you are able to determine a course better than someone who has no anchor. So, one of the things that I mentioned toward the beginning were those movies where the the, the art makers were talking about how or, or showing that there really wasn't any hope for these women who have who have been abused or have experienced something traumatic. And part of the reason that I see the way that they're showing those stories end that way is because if you just have hope coming from the system, the system is going to fail you. And if you don't have any way to protect yourself against whatever the bad apple or who the, the bad industry is as an actress, then you're going to be able, then you're going to want to do things that you wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable with knowing that there's six or seven other people maybe who could fill that role. But if you have God, if you're a Christian and you have a solid community, I think it's a little easier to say no in those situations or hold your ground because you know that your identity is not fully wrapped up in this, that they're not the ones determining who you are, that there is somebody who values you inherently, and you have somebody else, usually your church or some friends that you can work things out with to say, you know, I'm not comfortable with, and it might stink that you might lose a few roles. Uh, hopefully you don't get blacklisted, that's that's possible, but I see it with, with having a faith, having a strong faith, that that creates a foundation that says there's something else beyond just the system that I'm that I'm stuck in um, mm -hmm. as an actress, as an artist. And and I think that that creates some freedom there that a lot of women do not have because they feel so stuck by just what's determined. So if, it, if that's the be all and end all of your life, it's going to leave you unhappy and it's going to make you feel like you're in a position where you have to, to compromise who you feel like you are. You have so such yes. such limited options, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you do have a an identity that's based in being created in the image of God and loved by God, that's not all that there is. There is something better, so you can rest on that, even mm -hmm. if it's 
hard um, to turn these things down. Right. You have more options. It's not going to be easy. Yeah. Uh, but I think you can you can still find your your value. Yeah. Without without the male director telling you, hey, I need you to take your top off right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And hopefully also that women, especially ones who know and have a relationship with God can start being a part of telling better stories about yeah. women within Hollywood as well. Yeah. I'd love to see that more. Amen. And yeah. you, Alyssa, are writing an awesome script. So you are, you were starting with you. So it the, starts with me, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like a mantra, like it's change will happen and it starts with me. Yes. So that's, that's one of the, the blessings of this. If there's anybody, uh, anybody with lots of money listening to this, that this is how you can make start making the Hollywood and, and movies better place is uh, start investing in, in a list and people like <laughs> in, in me. But I, uh, well, one thing I will say with with not just me, but with women, women of faith or women who have a good story to tell, I think you are seeing some of the marketplace come into play here where there's just more freedom, the freedom of ideas, because with streaming, you can make a, a lower budget uh, film mm -hmm. that gets more eyeballs than you than you could before, because it's not so much of a monopoly of Harvey uh, Weinstein yeah. telling you we're going to make this movie and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's still there. Hollywood is still there and it's still one way to do it. Uh, but I think that with so many, so many more streaming platforms out there, um, and particularly women tend to watch more streaming than go to the theaters. At least that's how, at least how, it's how I see it because there's not that many movies that come out in theaters for women, but the movies that the, the TV shows um, on Netflix and yeah. Amazon that are somewhat more targeted toward women, or at least have a female protagonist tend to do very well. So made was in that category. That was a lovely miniseries, um, the queen's gambit, Bridgerton is I, like that. Yeah. Anna, like a lot of them that like are number one on streaming uh, are have a strong female protagonist. So I, I think there's hope for the future of the industry just because of it's open a little bit more. It's still very closed, obviously, but in more, more, more. closed than you would all like it. Yes. But there, there are more there's opportunities more. than I think there were even 10 years ago. So yeah. that's a good thing. Your mouth to God. Well, that's a perfect hopeful place yes. to end this segment and start and uh transition into our segment of blesses and curses yes so blesses and curses the segment where we go and uh find things on a topic we want to recommend to you bless or things we want you to stay away from curse and st stick with this even if you were planning to because we do have a collective curse that we're going to do at the end which is really fun so Alyssa, do you want to start us off Yes, I will start us off. So I'm going to bless the movie Juno. And mm -hmm. the reason I'm going to bless the movie Juno is it is really difficult to find a movie about a young female protagonist where she moves to redemption with the help of other people around her. Mm. Uh, as I was doing research for my script, that was what I was looking for. And I was able to find it quite often um, with young men, but it was more difficult with with uh, stories around female protagonists, but this one is Juno moving toward maturity, making really difficult decisions as a high schooler. And mm. part of the reason she's able to do that is because she has parents who support her. Mm. Uh, so that that is just, it's a funny movie, but it's deep and heartfelt. And it, and it emphasizes my point about uh, having a support community around you when you're having to make hard decisions or things that feel like they're compromising your values. Juno does that, I think, in a really beautiful way and just great storytelling. And it holds up uh, 15 or 16 yeah. years later after it came out. So that's oh, my best. Amen. 
I, I love I love Juno. Wait, should we save our curse collectively together? We'll all do our blesses, and we can all do the curse. And we just we'll... like knock out our other curses. Just do the oh, one. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Knock out your other curse. We'll okay. save the good curse for yeah, the we'll save the good, good curse, curse for last. Yeah, well, I won't. I won't curses. spoil the good curse. Okay, yes. good. My, <laughs> yes. my curse uh, is uh, about a double standard. So my curse is Wonder Woman 1984. So in <laughs> oh, that in that movie. Good choice. Yes, uh, in that movie, uh, I loved Wonder Woman. So this is not about Same. the Wonder Woman oh, yeah. franchise. It's particularly about a decision that they made in the second movie that when I saw it, I was, and it was enough of a popular opinion that it became an internet, is that Diana becomes a rapist in the second one because they have Steve Trevor come back, but instead of having him just like come back from the dead in some weird way, they have him come back by possessing the the body of another man which if a male protagonist were to have sex with a female character without her consent, it would be considered rape. And I think that that in this context should be considered the same too. Uh, So uh, while we're talking about, you know, female tropes in in movies, I don't think that there should be double standards for women to get away with things that men would not at the same time. That's that's not that's yeah. And also, it just really wasn't that interesting of a movie. I loved Wonder Woman so much the first one. And aside from that egregious error, obviously, it just really wasn't that interesting. I will allow you, I will allow you to be dumb if you are also fun. And that movie was neither. Uh, and it was not. And and it was to your point, extremely just bonkersly pro- problematic in that way. It, it, it's hard to believe they they thought that that was okay. But so yeah, no, good, good. That's a good one. Uh, Nathan, you had yes, I have a couple blesses. I'm gonna bless quickly. All About Eve, which is an old movie that is about a woman uh, going through the journey of what it's like to be in the entertainment industry. It's pithy, it's clever, it's interesting, it's also very insightful, and uh, it gives an honest but also entertaining look into what it's like to be a woman in the entertainment industry. And it also shows, this movie was made, I don't know, in the 50s or something, how long these struggles for women in this world have been going on. And how this is not a new thing, and they've been they've been going on for quite a while, and everything that she experiences is still happening today. I am also going to um, to bless uh, a show that uh, Kelia, my wife, and I have been watching. We've been watching um, uh, the uh, oh shoot, uh, the flight attendant, um, mm-hmm. and we if it, first of all, it's fun. You know, it is violent. It has some intrigue and some adult things. But um, but it's really fun. One, I just like the the characters and the acting, the way they shoot. It's very creative. It's really fun. But the one thing I really really like about it is they give a really interesting portrayal of um, and, and a and a three dimensional uh, portrayal of the struggles a woman faces and her fighting those. And it's not from external forces. Mm. Uh, the, the the you know she's you know dealing with intrigue and espionage and all this and people trying to kill her all this but it's also about this woman who's battling addiction and mm-hmm. she's battling past trauma. And the way they film this is really interesting. You know, she's, it goes inside of her head and there's all these different versions of herself that are arguing over things and dealing with trauma. There's a, there's a child version of herself that she is arguing with and going, no, that's not what I want to be. And you, so you see this person, it's a very flawed character, which I really like because it's human. It didn't try to sanctify her. Oh, she's the woman protagonist, so she has to be perfect. No, rather it made you love her because she's a real character and you see her struggling. And the best part is she's not, uh, she's not accepting the identity of victim because uh, all the external things in her life, she is 
her her arc is her having to overcome these internal things within herself. And I think it's a beautiful portrayal and it makes her a really compelling lead character. And Kaylee Cuoco uh, from Big Bang Theory is just phenomenal in this role. I'd never really seen her outside that, um, outside of Big Bang Theory and this, she's just phenomenal. So we've been having a blast watching. It's also just really entertaining. And then my last bless is gonna be, I'm gonna carte blanche bless everything Greta Gerwig does. <laughs> If you want a woman director who writes compelling, interesting, three-dimensional, authentic, honest, and also aesthetically beautiful and entertaining films about women, and you want to, I just, every, Lady Bird um, was the first thing I saw of her, just beautiful uh, little women. So I, I just love everything she does. And I think she's a really great example for young women making movies today um, about the woman, uh, what it's like to be a woman. And it gives me an insight into that experience in a also very compelling and interesting way as a dude. Um, yeah. so I really, really like everything. <laughs> you, so had, you, I, you had a, you had a curse that was really, I do have a curse. Yes. Uh, and I feel bad for cursing this, um, <laughs> because I really do actually enjoy these too. So these are really fun. Uh, I'm, but I'm going to curse James Bond, the <laughs> yeah. franchise on a whole. Listen, I love James Bond. It's fun. It's um, it's exciting. You know, I'm I'm a dude who likes to spy movies, and so I love James Bond. But I will say, as we're talking about these issues of women being objectified within media, especially movies. Oh wow! I mean, like James Bond is just a perfect classic example of that, where women are props, sex objects and pretty much just used for everything the guys do. And I think it dehumanizes them. Um, I do think the new ones are a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I know this is um, blasphemy, but Daniel Craig is my bond. I'm really sorry, all you Same. old guys out there. Uh, so the new ones do do this better. Uh, they still, I wouldn't say, um, totally eradicate some of the tropes, uh, the negative tropes, but they do do it better. But yeah, James Bond, for the past, you know, decades has been pretty, uh, pretty egregious offender when it comes to objectifying women. So I got to yeah. curse, especially yeah. a lot of the old portrayals of women in James Bond. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so I'll try to go through mine quickly. I actually forgot one of mine. Um, but so uh, bless, um, I'm going to bless the old show Kim Possible. Um, nice. Because that's one of the, sh that's, that's probably one of my first and favorite portrayals of a storyline that's about a woman glorifying and showing a great portrayal of a female character that I still felt included in, that I wasn't excluded yeah. from as a, as a boy, you know, uh, enjoying, felt like I could enjoy and actually find a place to celebrate and relate to a, a female character. Um, and it's just great storytelling, so much fun. Yep. I did have another bless that I forget what childhood that was. crush right there for me for sure. Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding? Yeah, one of the first early crushes. Um, ah, what was my other bless? I forgot what my other bless. And it definitely fights the damsel in distress. Uh, yes, uh, trope. In no, such well, an and again, it, it's, it's something that's like the woman was at the center and she was the hero, and of course she yeah. had her you know guy psychic Ron, you know, which we all. But he was like still like he was not the hero; he was the psychic. But he still felt like included and mattered in the story. And someone's like, oh yes. yeah, you can. He's heroic and, and contributes too. Kind of flipping the way that they would always treat the female character, where it's like she was supporting him, he got to support her. And I didn't feel like it was in a way that was demeaning, even though he was sort of comic reliefist. I was like, yeah, I can be included in this. Yes. Um, I don't, keep forgetting, what was Mather Bless? Oh, well, I guess it's lost to the wind. Um, uh, then, uh, but curses, um, I'm gonna curse uh, to my version of what your, your James Bond curse, I'm gonna curse the uh, Fast and Furious franchise. Okay. Um, because um, again, I love a couple of those movies, <laughs> um, but, for the most part, they do also follow the trope of just, you know, 
women are sex objects. It's, they always have to have the shot in there of, uh, of the, just the woman's torso uh, with scantily clad. They always have to have that in there and the women are there are props in that way. Um, that's just, and, and just following all of that, it's like that they are a, an ornament to the, the ambiance of the story. Oh, that's right. The, um, the, my other bless was um, uh, Something's Gotta Give, which is a, a Jack Nicholson uh, movie uh, directed right. by Diane Keaton. That I think actually does a really good job of actually exploring um, sort of the male gaze, the female gaze in movies and the way that women and men see it differently and actually does a good job. I think it's one of the best portrayals of cinematically showing the male gaze and how they appreciate women without, um, without objectifying them. And in sort of redemptive way. Okay, so as yeah. a filmmaker, if you want to look at how to do that, um, that's, I think, a really great example of that. Um, and um, finally, just very briefly, because Alyssa's here, I'm going to curse Power of the Dog, um, because okay. it's, um, it, first of all, it's just it's just such a badly written movie, but also because it kind of uh, celebrates and romanticizes grooming relationships, as Alyssa pointed out in her Alyssa Takes um, movie, movie uh, video. Um, and also just this sort of fantasy of women um, getting men to kill each other for them. Uh, it's just not a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty awful movie uh, that's, uh, women directors need to do better than that as they, as they get, gain more uh, prominence. Okay, now, for the thing everyone's waiting for, the movie we're going to collectively curse because we all saw this movie together. Wait, are we excited that I, as the token female on this conversation that I, we all now get to curse? And, and we agree, yes. Wait, wait, wait. it needs some context. So okay. we recorded this part of the episode and for some reason it got lost. So we're re-recording this last little bit. And in between then and now, we all went and saw a movie as we do on Saturday nights, we go see movies and talk about them. And we went to see a new movie called- Three, two, one, men. men. <laughs> yes. The Overthinkers is now Cursed Men. Man. Yes, <laughs> men, collectively. Collectively. Oh boy, this movie. Oh, men, this movie. It's, it's really so funny because this is the first time I've begun to see a bunch of movies with Nathan Clarkson. This is the first time I've ever seen him boo a movie. When it I was never over. have before. This is I. I'm someone who likes things. I don't pull them apart or analyze too much. I just enjoy this. I think is top five worst movies I've ever seen. And the worst part of it is, the people who saw this, the reviewers, the guy who wrote it, believed it to be like genius. It is awful. But yeah. I, I'll let the two movie reviewers explain why it was. Okay. But wow, well, I've never booed to start off. I did. <laughs> Alyssa, give us your thoughts on why no, this give movie. me. Okay, I'll start. Uh, so I saw the trailer for this and I thought, I was like, there's a way that this could be interesting. And then what I saw was just, I think it was a man trying to explain something along the lines of how women see all men as the same and they're all going to let them down. But none of that came across. It just became yeah. the stupidest, weirdest grossest movie i've seen yeah for it, no reason it, for no reason yeah yeah that is a really and good i and i i i verbalized something at the end too but it wasn't it wasn't boo it was just what by the but way the that director, was what i said out loud i was like what that's the end it just it was so shockingly done yeah like, okay yes. we're done i have no answers to any of the questions that you've raised along the way okay i guess we're just gonna finish okay and also yes, wasn't no, even I, a fun ride 
you know, yeah, th- yeah. Th- that's the thing. I mean, you know, Alyssa, you, you said this really well, which is that, you know, it, it was a man trying to explain how he sees a woman sees the problem of like predatory men. And it like just, you could see that just utterly failing. And yeah, it was, there was all this symbolism, but the symbolism didn't come together into anything meaningful. Like they would say, oh, look, this is connected to this. Okay, how is it connected to this? Doesn't matter. It was the highest budget, like bad student film you've ever seen. Yes. And it, it, it was, you know, there were things in there that's like, okay, a woman would never do this. Like they're writing. And, and I, what I say is that it's, I will allow you to be um, pretentious and I will allow you to be stupid and I will even allow you to be offensive, but I will not allow you to be all three at the same time. And it, and it was it was aggressively all three. And here's the yeah. interesting thing is the director has made other films, which interestingly enough, I think really objectify yeah. and dehumanize women on a level that's just totally uh, unjustifiable. And so I'm wondering, I, I wonder, is this your attempt to say, hey, I'm one of the good guys, but yes. it just didn't work. Yeah, well, it but, just, he just, he's not capable of actually, he really is not capable of empathizing with women because even in his attempt to do it, was so offensive to women and and not getting it at all and and by just, the way both Keely we can only say this we're not saying this of our own volition for all women Keelia and <laughs> Alyssa had the same reaction so we're in the clear yes, it's not yes. men criticizing this Kelia and yeah. Alyssa had the same reaction so, so yeah whew. yeah exactly yes we're we have the stamp of approval so yeah that is our our and yeah well it's so disappointing to see like so many critics like think that this is smart and act like this is smart and even like but but i think we did a good job we were redemptive in the theater because we were laughing at it so much we actually were those people other people the theater permission to laugh at it because it it really is it's just sad to see movies that are are, that paint themselves being meaningful while also being offensive and harmful to the people that they're trying to actually help and uh i wonder if this movie might have been helped had it been written and directed by a woman. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> so more signs that that's maybe necessary. So, so yeah, if you, I guess I would say just in, in cursing it, that if you're going to make a movie that's like an apology movie, don't mansplain <laughs> in the midst of it, right? Like don't. <laughs> I don't know. If you're going to try and, and sort of speak for women as a man, I don't, this is very general, but like at least maybe get some women to read it first. And just, <laughs> just like one. Might maybe have one. Yeah, like if, if she's scared, is she going to walk away or is she going to run away? Like, is she yes. <laughs> no, that's the thing is like right early on in the movie, it's like, you know, just scary people. And it's just like, no, I'm just going to walk away from this, not run. No. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, that's always a good policy. If you're a man and you want to write, you know, women's stories, maybe have one or two women read it at some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or just don't. <laughs> or just don't. <laughs> yes, you can do that. Uh, okay. Well, um, this has been fun. Yes. Uh, Alyssa, Alyssa, if people if, want to get in touch with you and want to see your reviews and want to uh, interact with what you put out there in the world more, where can they do that? Yeah, so main place to find me is on YouTube at Alyssa's Movie Takes, and Alyssa is spelled A-L-Y-S-S-A. 
There are many spellings of that name. Uh, and then also I write for Wallflower Journal, as we mentioned in the beginning. And so uh, my name's Alyssa Plock, P-L-O-C-K, and you can search for me as an author there. But I also encourage you to just check out their content because it's great. Uh, wow. There's lots of great essays and it's written by the wonderful Kelia Clark. Oh, well, overseen by the wonderful Kelia Clarkson. So. Yes, it is. A yeah. good, good plug. And I'm also going to do another quick plug real quick. If you like these discussions about movies and faith and how they interact, uh, there's a new book that just came out called Movies from the Mountaintop. And uh, two of the people sitting here in front of you, both of your hosts, your regular hosts, are in this book. I was in a panel discussion with actually Mark Wahlberg, Rob Lowe, and Zachary Levi about faith and film. Dang. And Joseph uh, Holmes wrote a beautiful essay in this book. Um, and so if you want to grab a copy, it's now available on Amazon and it's called Movies from the Mountaintop. Go out there and grab a copy. It's really informative and interesting. And I think all you movie and faith lovers will really enjoy it. And if you want to get in touch with me, my name is Nathan Clarkson. You can search that on any of the socials or go to NathanClarkson.me. Joseph? You want to find me? I'm on all the socials as well. Many of them, I guess. Uh, then you can also search me at josephholmestudios.com. You can also find much of my work, my writing work on culture and faith at religionunplugged.com. Well, thank you so much, Alyssa, for joining us. Thank you and for thank having you me, all, guys. Yeah, and thank you all for your listeners for joining us. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm -hmm.